0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Neil Howard, here on Health Professional Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. In this segment, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. John Pandolfino. He's joining us here as Chief of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at Northwestern Medicine to discuss the importance of identifying the causes of GERD and give some tips on how to help treat the condition. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Pandolfino. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, tell us a bit about yourself, if you would.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a gastroenterologist, um, which means that I deal with problems in the digestive system. Um, I jokingly call myself a physiologic plumber because I spend uh, much of my day helping people get food through the pipe, which is the esophagus, into their stomach, and then also preventing the food from coming up from their stomach into their esophagus and maybe even their lungs, which is essentially gastroesophageal reflux disease.
0: How many people suffer from GERD roughly?
1: Yeah, it depends on how you define the severity of GERD but it can be up to 20 to 25% of the country actually has some form of gastroesophageal reflux symptoms.
0: Are all of the symptoms identical in each patient or do they vary differently depending on the patient and the severity of GERD?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and and, uh, GERD can be very heterogeneous meaning that it can have very different presentations. The presentations can range from anything from actually having trouble swallowing where there's a blockage in the esophagus to something like heartburn, which is a burning sensation behind the chest. But then people don't really necessarily attribute to reflux that are actually in the throat and the lungs. So, for instance, a chronic cough can be related to reflux, maybe a sore throat or hoarseness and it can actually even make some lung diseases worse. So there's a very heterogeneous presentation with reflux disease.
0: Is it very easy to diagnose GERD since some of the symptoms seem to mimic uh, other conditions?
1: Yeah, it's actually probably one of the biggest difficulties we have in our practice because there's really no great gold standard. We do have a lot of diagnostic tests and they each have some strength but they all have some type of weakness. So. You really have to be very cognizant of the symptoms, be open to alternative diagnoses when you're going through the process of looking for reflux. And then you have to use the technologies that we have in a very judicious way so that you really don't affect the the quality of life for the patient and make them go or undergo unnecessary testing.
0: So what are some of the causes? Is this something that's hereditary or is it um, 100% environmental?
1: Well, although reflux, most people attribute to acid and acid reflux coming up into your, your chest and your esophagus, it's really a disorder of anatomy and physiology. What happens is that you may develop a weakness at the end of your esophagus, which is essentially your anti-reflux barrier. And that can either be a hiatus hernia, where a little bit of your stomach kind of goes through the diaphragm and gets into your chest. And sometimes your lower esophageal center can also become weak. And when those things happen, there's really not a great barrier to prevent the stuff that's sitting in your stomach, which is gastric juice and food from coming up into your chest. And that's really reflux. Reflux is the movement of that gastric content into your um, esophagus and then potentially even eventually into your throat and then maybe your lungs. So it's really a physiological and anatomical um, deficiency. And, And that can be related to some weight gain it can be associated with pregnancy um, because there's some changes in the anatomy and pressures in the abdomen. So, so it's really a mechanical problem.
0: You know, I've seen all of the, uh, the commercials about antacids and things of that nature, but it sounds as though these over-the-counter uh, treatments might not touch this condition at all. Is that the case or are some over-the-counter uh, antacids effective for at least a time?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great insight because what you see is is that the the antacids only make the stuff that comes up less noxious, right? So so you're still going to reflux. The medicines don't prevent the reflux; they just prevent you from feeling it or it injuring your throat and your esophagus because it takes away the acid. And we know that acid is one of the primary determinants that kind of cause erosions and ulcers in the esophagus cause that sore throat and irritate the throat and the lungs. So, so really, those, those medicines are compensatory, meaning that they just prevent the complications, but they don't actually cure the reflux.
0: What steps can be taken to actually fight the GERD as opposed to simply not feeling the acid?
1: So I think one of the, the first things that everyone can do is actually lose a little bit of weight, and it doesn't take a lot. It only takes about 10 or 15 pounds if that's what's causing this because of the increased pressure. So losing a little bit of weight, maybe um, not eating so close to bedtime when you, when you lose gravity, which is your best friend, um, because it helps you drain reflux when it happens. And really not eating too close you know, to, to the evening will prevent that. And then raising the head of the bed um, can also prevent that. But short of that, there's really no cure that you, you have. And, and one of the things that can possibly help is something like an endoscopic or surgical approach. And we really reserve those for people who don't get better on the medications.
0: So uh, apart from surgery, what is Northwestern Medicine doing to to help patients um, maybe with surgery and above and beyond?
1: Yeah. So at Northwestern, we really focus on having this personalized approach to reflux disease and really using precision medicine. And what that means is we start from the beginning. What type of symptoms are you having? Because you'll address and treat symptoms differently. So it would be illogical to think that I would, would treat a blockage in your esophagus the same that I would if you had a sore throat. I mean, they're very different presentations. Some would require endoscopic therapy. Some would require just medicines alone. So really, we focus on what kind of symptoms you have, and then we put you through a very precise evaluation that's focused on defining the abnormalities. And by doing that, you may leave my office with a referral. For for a surgeon or actually referral for one of our psychologists, because we know that there is a very um, deep and important relationship between your brain and your gut. So many people can reflux, and depending on how severe their symptoms are, that might be related to their underlying anxiety about the symptoms and also just some very um, hypervigilant-like effects. So we use these behavioral approaches like cognitive behavioral therapy, relaxation techniques, and even hypnosis to kind of shift your attention away from those symptoms. So really, when you look at it, we really focus from start to finish the brain, the gut, lifestyle modifications, medications that tackle the abnormality, and then surgery if we have to fix your anatomy and physiology.
0: So stress and just worrying about the condition can trigger these symptoms.
1: Yeah, it certainly can. In fact, you know, what happens is I, I think and and how we explain it to patients is that if you start to think about this a lot more often, you feel it. We swallow all day, we reflux all day, but you don't feel it. And if you did, you'd actually go crazy. But when some people start to actually feel that particular phenomenon they key into it and it becomes like a, a really bad, vicious cycle. And we can break that with some behavioral techniques. And and really, our group um, has been pioneering in looking at this relationship between the brain and the gut, specifically in reflux disease and esophageal problems.
0: Is this new approach the the newest uh, treatment option? Are there other treatment options uh, out there for GERD?
1: Yeah. So I think certainly the brain gut is something that's becoming more common, but it's still pretty novel. There are some other advanced um, approaches that are both endoscopic and surgical. For instance, now we can actually do something called a fundoplication, which is making a valve at the end of your esophagus through the endoscope. So non-invasive, you don't need any scars, um, uh, can be done in less than two hours and, and shown to be pretty effective in reflux. And then there is another technique that's surgical, but a little bit less invasive. And it's nice because it's reversible where they can put a magnetic ring around the end of your esophagus, and that'll actually prevent reflux. So those two new approaches are, are, are newer advances that can help you if you have significant physiologic and anatomical problems that are just not responding to lifestyle and medications.
0: Where can our listeners go and get some more information about GERD and about the developments and research being done at Northwestern Medicine?
1: So yeah, if you go online and you go to our Northwestern Medicine website and put in GERD, you'll be taken to our our site where you can actually go through a GERD bot assessment of your reflux symptoms and learn a lot more about reflux.
0: John, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for giving us this information this morning here on Health Professional Radio. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. John Paldolfino. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.